Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth, and North Texas. Catholic Radio for your soul on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone. Live from the KATH 910 AM studios in Las Colinas and broadcasting across North Texas on the Guadalupe Radio Network. This is the Good News Show. And good afternoon and welcome to the Good News Show here on the Guadalupe Radio Network, KTH 910 AM. Glad you're with us and we've got a great show for you today. Part of it's going to be live, part of it's going to be not so live, but it's really interesting. The second half of the program, uh, we're going to have an interview that was done by Dr. Jonathan Sanford, who is the president of the University of Dallas, and he comes in once a month. Um, typically on the fourth Monday, but a couple of weeks ago, he had a very esteemed guest visiting campus for a conference, uh, George Weigel, who you've likely heard of. And so he said, can I come into the studio with George and do the interview and then we can play it on the 26th? And so we said, yeah, sure. So that's already been recorded, but I think you're really going to enjoy that. So that's going to be the second half of the program. And we're also going to be speaking to Diane Schwind, who you might remember used to run Balanced Families Ministries, and now she has an apostolate with her husband, Robert, called uh, the Three Hearts Institute. And she is the president of the American Foundation for the Beatification of Empress Zita. Uh, I always like to put Sissel on the spot, well, at least once a show, just to kind of kind of check it. Yeah, have you ever? Yeah, you, you've heard of Blessed Carl? Yes, okay. I have. Uh, Zita is his wife. Oh, okay. And so his cause of canonization is underway. Right. At our parish, we have like a side altar, like a side. I don't know if it's an altar, a side. You know, like a little praying station. Sure. I guess you could say of uh, Blessed Carl. But uh, so anyways, they're going to have an event coming up next Saturday on May 8th where there's a mass and a symposium on Empress Zita. They must have been an amazing couple. Yes, they must. I mean, the things that I've heard about them, and I don't know all that much, does sound pretty incredible. I just love how uh, holy of a family that they raise. I yeah, because it's like all the way across the world. I know. You know, it's like somebody grew up here and they're really amazing. And but in, yeah, in Europe, there's, you know, having special celebrations of their lives. Yeah, so. yeah. I hope one day they have a special celebration for our lives over in Europe. Okay? Yeah. I don't know if it's going to happen, <laughs> but, but it seems unlikely. We probably unlikely. should start working on that. <laughs> yeah, start, I got to start being holy. Exactly. Maybe that would help. Okay, so that's going to come up at about 15 after with Diane Schwind. She'll be on the phone with us. And again, the interview with uh, Dr. Sanford and George Weigel. Before that, we have some things uh, to tell you about. And the first of all is that we have a Summer Speaker Series event coming mm -hmm. up, the 13th Annual, and it is going to be on August 5th. And uh, I, I, I just want to kind of gauge the excitement level, because I think that there is a lot of excitement out there about this one, even though tickets are for sale. We keep talking about tickets <laughs> being on sale. They will be on sale very soon. And In fact, Sissel probably has her finger on the pulse of when tickets are going to go on sale, probably more than anybody. Do you, do you have a guess? If you I had would to... say if not by the end of this week, then by next week for sure. All right. Mm -hmm. So the website is our is up at the moment. You can get more details if you're looking for um, more information. Um, SummerSpeakerSeries.com. You can go there, um, and it'll have a little place. It's like ready for when you 
you know, tickets are on sale. You can just click on it. It's going to be really easy. <laughs> so yeah. memorize it now. I Summer's- love it. It says on that site, summerspeakerseries.com, it says watch this site for tickets, right? Yep. You don't have to watch it constantly. You, you're allowed to you go. Can. Yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't do that, though. I mean, <laughs> refresh yeah, just go ahead and leave and come back and every now and then. But we'll, we'll let you know. Uh, in fact, we've already recorded a spot for the moment when tickets go on sale. Mm-hmm. So Father John Ricardo is going to be our special guest. And one of the cool things about Father John is that for many years, he was the pastor of a parish in Plymouth, Michigan, in the Archdiocese of Detroit. And, you know, he he was the, the kind of the father to that parish, and he didn't want to travel all over the place because he would have been traveling constantly. So he said, no, my, my responsibility is to my parish. Mm. And so we asked him to come, and he said, he, he said, I can't, but I'll soon be leaving the parish and working for the Archdiocese, and then I'll be able to travel. Even now, though, he's not traveling very much. He really isn't, yeah. So it's a pretty exclusive opportunity to come see Father Ricardo here in Texas. So please save the day, Thursday, August 5th. Um, it's going to be a really cool evening. We have a new venue we've mentioned several mm-hmm, times, yeah. the Grand Ballroom of the Irving Convention Center, which sounds very fancy to say. It's a beautiful facility. If you've ever done an event, there's lots of Catholic events that have done, been done there, but it's really beautiful, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun, add a lot of atmosphere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be very nice. So uh, save the date. You will likely, many of you will get a, a save the date notice in the mail, and so there will be something tangible and physical probably hitting your mailbox in the next week or so. All right, so that's that, and we'll have a lot more information to come. A couple other things we want to talk about. If you remember last Monday, I told you about this Catholic Family Conference, the second annual Catholic Family Conference put on by Regina Chaley Academy, that last year was entirely virtual, and this year they're doing kind of a hybrid virtual and in-person. There's going to be a limited number of people that will be able to go in-person. This is also going to be at the Irving Convention Center right across the street, and it's this Saturday, pretty much kind of an all-day, eight-to-four kind of event. And look at this. The thing about this lineup, Cardinal George Pell. Okay, now he is, as of right now, I think he's going to be a virtual guest. I don't think he's able to fly in because of the visa issues. Bishop Joseph, but he will speak. He'll do a live presentation, okay? Uh, Cardinal George Pell, Joseph, Bishop Joseph Strickland, Steve Ray, Trent Horn, Dr. Ralph Martin, uh, Noel Merring. All right, tickets are $125. Last week, I said, we've got 10 to give away, and we must have given those away, like, in a couple it of minutes. Was- very, very fast. I don't think I've ever answered so many phone calls in such a short period of time. Well, you're about to do it again. <laughs> All right, so here's the deal. And I don't have a screen, so I can't see how quickly they're coming in. So you're just going to have to kind of relay, tell me, you know, because, uh, well, then again. Should we want, maybe yeah, talk yeah, about, yeah, I was yeah, going to say, right, yeah. uh, Dave always thinks that I'm way holier than I am and yeah, I can buy locate. Yeah, I'm not yeah, quite there yeah, yet. You talk about your thing first, <laughs> right? Okay. Great. Well, this weekend is very a very Catholic weekend. Like Dave mentioned, we have the Texas Family Conference. Conference, but we also have the um, Young Catholic Professionals Conference happening that I am very fortunate to be able to attend. Um, and I also will be there on Friday from 1 to 2 doing a live remote broadcast from the hotel that they're doing it at. And we're going to be able to interview um, some chapter presidents from all across the country. We've got some from Louisville, uh, Los Angeles, um, New Orleans. So it's kind of cool. We're going to get to talk to and 
find out about YCP across the nation, because this is a conference that's open to all young professional, young Catholic professionals across the nation. So it's going to be pretty fun. So be sure to tune in on Friday from 1 to 2 p.m. It's also going to be pretty fun because I have two wonderful ladies who are going to help me with this broadcast. Rowena Ignacio, who's our super volunteer, you've heard many times. And then for the first time ever, I think Alondra Delara and I are going to be broadcasting together. And she is... Uh, Oh, I never get her title right, but she works for the K John K, um, for yeah, the Spanish C- community station. outreach director. She's, yes, I think. I think that's it. Yeah. Community outreach director. So it should be a really fun hour. And if you've not ever heard of you know too much about um, young Catholic professionals or you didn't know what cities it was in, it's kind of a good. It'll be a good hour for you to be able to hear more about it and just pray for everyone attending this conference this weekend. Yeah, that's going to be a power-packed uh, hour it, with you three dynamo is. ladies on there. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, and so, all right, so that's going to be this Friday the 30th, uh, beginning at... 1 p.m. 1 p.m., okay, so that's going to be pretty exciting. All right, so now that Cicel has freed herself up, she is ready to take calls, and so I'll tell you, there, we got uh, let me tell you what's going on. I have 10 more pairs of in-person tickets for this Saturday's second annual Catholic Family Conference. If you call up right now and be one of the first 10, these are, this is the last of them, okay? This is it. Uh, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to talk in the air. You don't have to answer a trivia question. Just call up and be one of the first 10. And the phone number is 877-757-9424, 877-757-9424. Like I said, last week we did this, and boy, I'll tell you, I never saw the lines fill up so fast, and people are so excited about getting these tickets. And so, um, I, like I said, I don't have access to, and by, I will say, you know, Cecil's only one person, so be patient. And if you call, like she's on the line right now, uh, just hang in there. All right. Cause she can't, she's got to take people's, you know, name and phone number and email address. Uh, so, uh, just, just wait. If the phone keeps ringing, just, just hang on. She'll be with you uh, very soon. Okay. Uh, again, this is this Saturday, May 1st. I'm going to be the MC, by the way. I'm so excited about this. I'm going to be the MC of this event. Uh, Cardinal George Pell is going to be on virtually. Originally, they thought he was going to be there in person, but, you know, there's some visa issues and he can't get out of, uh, his home country of, uh, Australia? Yeah, I think that's where he's from. Remember, he was in jail, and there was all that controversy, um, uh, some charges that uh, most people thought, well, they, he ended up being acquitted of, of the charges, but it was, it was kind of bizarre. Uh, so it'd be interesting to hear him, Steve Ray, and Trent Horn, and Dr. Ralph Martin, and Noel Merring. So it's going to be a great event. I, I would look forward to seeing you there. Uh, so call up if you'd like one of the 10 pairs of tickets that remain uh, for the in-person tickets, if you got to buy them, they're $125 each. Okay, you can get them free right now. 877-757-9424. I also have virtual family passes. Okay, if you can't go, but you still want to see the event. And I have... Uh, uh, now, I don't want you to call for those because that would really confuse Cecil. Okay, if you want a virtual pass, then email me and just say... Hey, Dave, I want a virtual pass. All right. My email address is Dave Palmer at grnonline.com. Are you confused? I, I, it's really not that complicated. If you want to go to the event, be one of the first 10. Uh, if you want a, a virtual pass, email me. Okay. Call 877-757-9424. Uh, to go in person, uh, and you got to, you're gonna have to pay to park. I think it's like $10, but the pass will be free and you'll get the, the, the mass and all the talks, you know, Steve Ray, Trent Horn, uh, Cardinal Pell virtually. 
uh, and uh, Bishop Joseph Strickland. Okay, if you want a, a virtual pass, just email me, Dave Palmer at grnonline.com, and I will be more than happy to arrange for you to get a virtual pass. And by the way, those are forty dollars. Okay, the virtual passes, so that's nothing to uh, you know, and it's it's a it's a nice uh, break from that cost as well. All right, so uh, that is that. And again, just a reminder that this is the Good News Show. And later on, we are going to play an interview, never hasn't um, aired yet, uh, with Dr. Jonathan Sanford, the president of University of Dallas, and George Weigel here in studio. All right, you're already off the phone. Did you get all I, ten? Get all ten? And yes, in the last two minutes. No, I got two. Okay. Um. So we still have eight left. Eight. That was ten. I did with my fingers. No one gets on the radio to see, see that. You. But and I just I, had to make I sure. I can't even see it because <laughs> the, the monitor's blocking it. So <laughs> no, no harm. It messed up my brain though. So we have eight sets of tickets left. So um, call in now eight seven 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 five seven nine four two four, and I will take your call. All right. And I was telling people that uh, you know be patient because uh, Sissel yes, uh, she's not uh, holy enough to be able to buy locate <laughs> or try locate. I'm working on the quadro locate. You know, I like that's a. You know, you know, why stop it by locating? <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, reach I, for the stars. I just want to go everywhere. All right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so call up if you want uh, a pair of tickets to uh, this Saturday's Catholic Family Conference, second annual Cardinal George Pell, Bishop Strickland, uh, Steve Ray, Trent Horn, uh, Noel Merring, and Dr. Ralph Martin. They're all going to be there except for uh, Cardinal, I mean, Cardinal Pell, I think, is going to have to do it virtually, but all the rest of them are going to be there. Uh, it's going to be kind of an intimate setting. Uh, you know, I think they'll have like a couple hundred people there, maybe because of you know restrictions and all that. Uh, so it should be a lot of fun. 877-757-9424. And we need to take a break, don't we? We do. All right. So, and if you, again, if you want the virtual pass, email me, Dave Palmer at grnonline.com. We'll come back in a moment and talk about a very unique topic, the American Foundation for the Beatification of Empress Zeta with the president of that organization, Diane Schwinn. So quick break and we'll be back. Last year, I was able to achieve a promotion at work because I went back to school and completed my high school diploma. As a working adult, it had been over three years since my last high school class. Casada High School provided me a flexible schedule, a self-paced, individualized curriculum, focusing on my personal needs, and most importantly, reconnecting me to my Catholic faith. At Casada Catholic High School, they work with students to provide them the tools they need to be successful and beyond. Visit casadahs.org to learn more. Are you a healthcare professional who wants to learn more about fertility awareness, restorative reproductive medicine, and the Billings Ovulation Method? Are you in need of continuing education credit? BOMA USA, the Billings Ovulation Method Association, is a new sponsor of KTH 910AM. They've created online training specifically for healthcare professionals or experienced fertility awareness teachers. Visit boma-usa.org and click on Health Professionals at the top of the page. This is your gateway to a whole new learning experience. All right, we're back, and it is 15 after. It's funny, you know, Sissel is on, I'm on, and we play two spots, and I voiced one, and she voiced one. It's kind of like <laughs> we're the only ones running the show here. But, uh, okay, we still have some of those tickets. If you want to go to the Catholic Family Conference this weekend, just call uh, 877-757-9424. Also, we heard that spot from Casada High School, and I just want to uh, remind you that tomorrow evening, beginning at 7 o'clock, Casada is going to have their event called Noche de Gracias. And if you are not familiar with Casada, this is a, a, a small high school in Fort Worth 
that when I went and visited it, and I'm going to emcee this event tomorrow night, uh, it's all, it's only virtual, but when I went and emceed it, it just, it touched me so much, you know, especially, um, I have a special needs son, and the school isn't only for special needs students, but it's students that have extraordinary circumstances, one way or the other, and it's every story is different. But it's a beautiful school, and uh, please consider uh, joining us for that virtual live event tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, for Casada High School. Just go to casadahs.org, and you can find out more information. All right, we have on the line with us for uh, so, some time now, Diane Schwind, who among many, many other hats that she wears is uh, uh, the president of the American Foundation for the Beatification of Empress Zita. Wow, what an, what an amazing uh, group that is. Diane, good afternoon. How are you? Good afternoon, Dave. I'm well, thank you. Yeah, you, you, there's a joke that we have here because uh, Cecil likes to wear hats, and I've started wearing a fedora, and so the, the whole thing about hats is kind of funny. But I don't want to waste any time talking about hats, so uh, tell us about this organization and, Diane, how you, in the midst of all the other things that you're doing, uh, why, how did this, you know, uh, how did you become involved in this? And, and tell us more about it. Well, thank you. Um, I'm super excited to get to share this information with everyone. Um, it all fits together. Yes, there are lots of different hats that are being worn, but they all they all go with the same outfits. So, <laughs> oh, I um, like that. Our ministry, you know, Three Hearts Institute, is a marriage and a family ministry. And um, my husband, Robert, and I are oblates with, uh, Benedictine oblates with the uh, monks at Clear Creek, Abbey in Holbert, Oklahoma, and we have an annual Oblate Retreat Day. Well, in tw- in 2019, um, we have been kind of following the cause of Blessed Carl, who mm-hmm. was the the last monarch of uh, the Christian uh, monarch of Austria and King of Hungary, and Zita, his his wonderful, beautiful wife, um, Empress and Queen Zita. Well, there was a symposium in Dallas on Blessed Carl, and it was going to fall at the same on the same day as our Oblate Day. And so I, we had gone to uh, Father Pryor at the monastery and said, this is what's happening. Where should we be? Should we be here at the Oblate Day retreat, or should we go to this? And he said, absolutely, no, you've got to go to the Blessed Carl Symposium because you need Blessed Carl and his wife, Servant of God, Zita, as patrons for your ministry, mm, okay. because they had a beautiful, holy uh, marriage and family. And so um, so we went. Um, one of their granddaughters, Carl and Zita's granddaughters, Princess Maria Anna Galitzin, who lives down in Houston, attended the symposium, and we got to meet her. And Back when I had met with Father Pryor, Father Pryor told me then, you need to start reading about Servant of God Zita. You need to know about her. And so I did. And then when I went, when we went to the, the symposium and met with the princess, I, we able, were able to approach her and ask, is there an organization working for the cause of your grandmother, Zita? Yeah. And there had been up in Chicago, but for several reasons it had to fold. And she knew of our connection to Clear Creek. And so she asked us, would you, would you start another organization and its post be at Clear Creek? Because the monks at Clear Creek, uh, Clear Creek Abbey is a daughter association of Salem um, Benedictine Monastery in France. Um, 
and Zita was connected to Salem. She had a brother who wanted to be a monk there, the sister um, convent, St. Cecile's. Her grandmother was an abbess at that convent for a while. She had three blood sisters that were nuns in that convent. So she had historical connection to Salem's, which is the mother abbey of Clear Creek Monastery. So it all fit together so beautifully. And that's kind of how that, that all started here in the U.S. Her cause for canonization, um, beatification and canonization began at Salem. That's where it's, that's where it's, it's home actually is. And now Clear Creek is the U.S. post for her cause. All right. And we're going to be talking about an event uh, that's coming up next Saturday, May 8th, 10 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. High Mass uh, at Our Lady of Clear Creek Monastery in Holbrook, Oklahoma. And also, uh, there's going to be a reception, a luncheon, and we'll do more details about that in just a moment with Diane Schwind, who's the president of the American Foundation for the Beatification of Empress Zita. And Diane, um, I'm very familiar with Blessed Carl. I, I was not able to go to e- either of the symposiums. I know I'm friends with David Ross, and he was kind of the guy that spearheaded that, and he's been in studio, and we've done interviews about him. Uh, tell us in particular... Uh, any antidotes or anything about this couple, and particularly um, Empress Sita, about her holiness and her, her you know, what, what, what's most remarkable and impressive about her life? Well, after um, Blessed Carl and Servant of God Zita were exiled from Austria in World War I, they were exiled onto the island of Madeira, a Portuguese-owned island off the coast of Africa, And just four short months after they landed there and got their children there and got settled, they had seven children at the time. Just four short months later, Blessed Carl died. Mm. He died of pneumonia. And so there she was with her seven children in exile, pregnant with the eighth Mm. child. And so what is so beautiful and amazing is she, I like to say she is the woman we need for our time because she was a very strong woman but she knew what commitment meant. And she was committed to her husband until she died some 60-something years later. She just died in 1989, two months shy of her 97th birthday. Oh, wow. And from the day Carl died until the day she died, she wore black to honor her husband. And she raised those eight children first, Catholic, and second, royal, in hopes that one day they could regain the throne for the good of the people, to bring the Catholic faith back to the people in Austria and Hungary and many of the other small countries that they reigned, where they reigned. So that, to me, is one of the most beautiful things because she was a strong woman who helped her husband run countries. Then when he died, she continued to stay committed to her husband in love and raise her children as he wanted her, as he wanted his children raised, and she stayed committed to those children and then her grandchildren, and then her great-grandchildren. So just a beautiful, strong woman who understood her, her commitment to the Lord, her commitment to her husband, her commitment to her children and family. That's uh, beautiful. And tell us more about this week. I mean, the 8th of May and the Mass, the luncheon. I know it's probably going to be a small group. Are there still opportunities for people who are listening to go if they're able to? And any other details about what's going to happen that day? Yes, um, we would love to invite uh, folks to go ahead and go out to the website, 
zetacause.com, and you can re- uh, get your reservations for the event there. Um, the seats are limited, and we only have one more week left for taking reservations. Um, it's a, a cap at about 200, so we're expecting to have about 200 people there. So not a, you know, not a small event, but not something enormous either. But we will begin with um, high mass. Father Abbott will be saying the mass, which is always a blessing um, to have the abbot be able to say the mass, and he'll say a few words about the, the empress um, in mass. And then um, there'll be a presentation on Zeta and her life. Then there'll be a luncheon. And then the most exciting part, second to the mass, I would say, is um, we will be doing an interview with Princess Maria Galitzin. Um, she is the oldest grandchild of, um, let's see, I think it would be their eight, seven, sixth child, uh, uh, Archduke Rudolph. So she will be present, and we'll be doing an interview with her there. And that's always fun because she can give us stories. You know, she tells us stories of her life. She was in her mid-30s when her grandmother died, so she knew her all growing up. Um, and so it's it's always fun to listen to the stories, the real-life stories of time spent with these two holy, well, with her grandmother. Uh, Blessed Carl had passed by then, but with her grandmother and tell what an amazing woman she was. Yeah. You know, this kind of combines everything. If you're a lover of history, if you're a lover of royalty, of European history, of Catholicism, marriage, family life, I mean, it's kind of got everything wrapped up in this life of this amazing uh, couple. We're talking about Empress Zita, and uh, you can go to Empress Zita Cause. Is it .com? Is that right, uh, Diane? Empress, yes. Empress yes. Zita Cause dot com. The event is going to be next Saturday, May 8th at the uh, Clare Creek Monastery in Holbert, Oklahoma, and this is a mass, a luncheon, and also an interview with Princess Maria Anna, uh, granddaughter of Empressita. Uh, really exciting. And, Diane, tell us about the cause of canonization. You said servant of God uh, for Zita, and then blessed Carl. Uh, is this something that's moving forward? Are you directly involved in this, or looking for a miracle, or, or what's the next step? Um. The next step for Zita, she is servant of God, which means her cause has been opened. Um, and one miracle will raise her to the level of beatification. So okay. she could be blessed at that point. Um, and yes, uh, I am directly working in this here in the United States and um, mostly just trying to promote her cause, let people know about her, um, let people learn what an incredible woman she was. And as I said, a woman for our time. Um, to really inspire women to embrace um, their strength and their dignity and their femininity as as women of God. Yeah, very nice. And um, again, it's going on this weekend. Diane Schwind is uh, my guest. So how this uh, kind of, as you mentioned at the beginning, really dovetails nicely with the other work that you're doing. You've always, you and Robert have always been focused on marriage, on family, on the faith, and this uh, just kind of, uh, as is a perfect complement to all the other work you're doing right now anyways, isn't it? It is. It just is another puzzle piece. You know, God is creating this big, beautiful piece of art in our lives, and we're just very humbled and honored to be be able to do this work for Him and to share all this, the beauty of our faith with with marriages and families. Yeah, you know, we were talking about 
the, the, the before we brought you on, and I'll just have a couple more minutes here with Diane, but the fact that this is something that happened, you know, a long, you know, long time ago, a hundred years ago or so, uh, I, as far as when they, they reigned, and then, um, uh, in, a, in a, thousands of miles away, but for some reason here in North Texas, and maybe, I don't know if it's unique here, there seems to be a great movement, a great devotion. I don't know if there's, there's other parts of the country that, uh, what is it about this area where there seems to be, the events are happening here in Texas and Oklahoma? Why, why here? Why, why, what's going on in North Texas that we have this great fascination with this holy couple? You know, that's a very good question. Um, I know at uh, Modern Day Catholic Church in Irving, they actually have a shrine with a relic of Blessed Carl. Yeah. And so the community there, um, they're, you know, they're growing and promoting his cause as well. And now we'll be able to bring Zeta into that as well. Um, I don't know. I think it's probably, again, going back to marriage and family. This is this beautiful holy couple that understood um, marriage and family and how to live it and how to grow it in our faith. I mean, it's been said that Blessed Carl told uh, Servant of God Zita the night before they were married, he, he's been quoted as saying, now we must get each other to heaven, mm. which is, you know, one of the purposes of marriage. So um, I think people are recognizing that. I think, you know, overall, everyone can see that marriage and family is under attack. And so we need these great patrons to draw from them lessons and, 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 uh, and hope and know that we've got their prayers to help sustain us today in our world in this, you know, challenging time. It's like, it's like Sister Lucia told uh, Cardinal Kafara, Satan's final battle will be over marriage and the family. And so Carl and Zita are those patrons that we can turn to and learn how did they do it and what can we take from their lives into our lives. To help us. Yeah. Hey, man. There's also a shrine, uh, Blessed Carl, at our parish, St. Mary the Virgin in Arlington as well. So it's really uh, a big movement here in North Texas. Diane, thanks so much. I, I just want to give out that website one more time, EmpressZitaCause.com. It's a mass presentation, luncheon, interview with the granddaughter of Empress Zita, May 8th, 10 a.m. to 2.30 p.m., uh, at Our Lady of Clear Creek Monastery in Holbert, Oklahoma. Just go to that website and you can find out about uh, how you can make arrangements to go. Uh, Diane, thanks. Great talking to you today. Appreciate your time. Thank you, Dave. Right. Oh, we thank you very much. All right. Thanks so much. Uh, so much going on. And uh, we are about to take a quick break and then come back with the interview with Dr. Sanford and George Weigel. Before that, let me mention that we do still have a few of the pair, uh, pairs of tickets. If you want to go in person to the Catholic Family Conference this Saturday, May 1st, I'm going to MC it. Uh, Cardinal Pell will be speaking, uh, Steve Ray, Bishop Strickland, uh, Trent Horn, Dr. Ralph Martin, Noel Merring. All right. It's going to be at the Irving Convention Center. If you want in-person tickets, they're worth $125 each if you bought them. Uh, I have a few more passes uh, to, to give away, and all you got to do is call Sissel and talk to her and give her your email and your phone number, and you are in. Okay, I hope to see you Saturday. So here's the phone number another time, 877-757-9424, 877-757-9424 for the second annual Catholic Family Conference this Saturday, May 1st in Irving. Uh, call up and claim your tickets and a uh, quick break, and then we're going to come back with the interview with George Weigel and Dr. Jonathan Sanford right after this. 
Catholic Charities Fort Worth's mission is to provide service to those in need, to advocate compassion and justice in the structure of society, and to call all people of goodwill to do the same. They offer services such as free income tax preparation service through their VITA program, rides to COVID-19 vaccination appointments, information and resources related to the winter storm, and transportation services. For more information and resources, visit catholiccharitiesfortworth.org. Hello, Catholic Life Insurance is a family-focused company that offers life insurance and retirement benefit plans. We are proud to support the mission of Catholic Radio on KATH 910 AM. To learn more about Catholic Life Insurance, you can contact Larry Linson or David Walker in our Dallas office at 972-484-3000. Again, 972-484-3000. We look forward to hearing from you. And as it is the fourth Monday of the month, uh, that means one thing, and it is the time when we focus on the University of Dallas. Very honored to have in studio only the second month in a row as president of the University of Dallas, Dr. Jonathan Sanford. How you doing? Welcome. I'm great. Thanks so much for having me again, Dave. Happy to be here. And I think this may be the first time that you've come in and pre-recorded, and there's a very good reason for that. So this isn't a live right now, no phone calls, but uh, had a distinguished guest coming on campus earlier this month. And so you said, hey, let's come on in early and record and then play back on the 26th. That's right. Yeah, I'm, I'm very pleased to have in the studio today, George Weigel. Um, many of you, I'm sure, already are familiar with some of his work. He is um, one of the foremost public intellectuals in America. He is a Catholic theologian. He is the Distinguished Senior Fellow and William E. Simon Chair in Catholic Studies at the Ethics and Public Policy Center. And um, he has two tremendous biographies on John Paul II, and I want to focus on some of his work with respect to our great Pope, St. John Paul II. The first was Witness to Hope in 1999, and the second, The End and the Beginning in 2010. He also uh, put together his memoirs of the experiences of his work with St. Pope John Paul II in Lessons in Hope, My Unexpected Life with St. John Paul II. So thank you for being here, George. It's wonderful to have you. It's always uh, great to be at the University of Dallas, Dr. Sanford, and uh, thank you for inviting me. Well, of course, the pleasure is mine. So what I often like to do is, is when, when I interview a, um, a faculty member at the university, is talk a little bit about how they came into their discipline, what motivated their work. Um, we have a number of young people who listen to this this show, and, and I think it's an opportunity to provide some some inspiration to them. So... As a, as a Catholic theologian, um, um, is that the sort of thing you dreamed of doing when you were in high school? I'm going to grow up and I'm going to be a Catholic theologian. Um, no, not really. I mean, my, my life uh, it has been an unexpected one, as the subtitle of that memoir suggests. I, I've never really finished a decade doing what I thought I would be doing at mm -hmm. the beginning of that decade. Some of that has been, I, I think, as I understand it, providential. Mm -hmm. Uh, part of it has been a determination throughout my adult life to uh, constantly ask myself the question, what should I be doing now? What is, what mm -hmm. is God calling me to do now? Uh, we each have unique vocations. Those vocations can evolve and develop over time. Mm -hmm. uh, I never expected to write 28 books by... <laughs> Right. My uh, 70th birthday, 
but I've been blessed by the opportunities uh, to lead the kind of literary and active life that mm-hmm. I have found uh, congenial. And and to keep the life of the mind going uh, during that, mm-hmm. uh, I I really think the the decision of the bishops of the Pacific Northwest to close the seminary I was teaching at mm-hmm. in 1977 was the greatest break I ever had <laughs> in my life. Uh, I mean, I uh, it forced me out into the world of think tanks, research institutes. Uh, journalism, uh, mm-hmm. and that's been uh, a wonderful way to try to be an agent of evangelization uh, for the last 35 years. Yeah, in many respects, I would say you've been able to have a much greater effect on um, those who pay attention to such things um, that that uh, you publish in, the journals, the books, 28 books, as, as you've said. You've got quite a following, but there aren't many academics I can think of who, who have anything close to that kind of influence. The, uh, the benefit of, of being a kind of freelance intellectual, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, is that you have the freedom to do what you think you ought to do. Yeah. Uh, I was quite happy running the Ethics and Public Policy Center from 1989 until uh, late 1995 when the idea came into my head, I should write the biography of John Paul II. And uh, I had... Just spontaneously came into it. It was actually while I was reviewing a particularly awful biography <laughs> of, of John Paul II. And I, actually, I was sitting in Leon Cass's living room near the University of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leon and his late wife, Amy, were hosting my daughter, who eventually came to the University of Dallas rather than the University of Chicago. Great choice there. It was, I, I, it was you know. a very good choice. And I'm reading this book by Tad Schultz, and it was just awful. And I said to myself, I can do better than this. Yeah. And so I eventually pitched the idea to uh, the Pope, and he agreed to cooperate with this. But it's that kind of freedom that mm-hmm. my way of leading the life of the mind has afforded me. I am very grateful for places like UD, for what they do uh, for students. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a certain stability in that life. But do I miss department meetings? No. (laughs) (laughs) Or or getting called by your dean or provost or, or God forbid, president uh, uh, to... I was an acting dean of studies in a graduate school of theology at age 25. That's how crazy things were wow. in the Pacific Northwest in those days. Well, be- before we, we get into uh, talking a little bit more about uh, John Paul II, uh, you had not just one daughter but two daughters yeah. who went through the University of Dallas, and, and you have been a tremendous friend of the University of Dallas. And What, what – what in particular um, did you have in mind when you wanted your daughters to be educated by us? Uh, both of my daughters, I think, knew what they wanted professionally early on. Mm-hmm. Uh, my older daughter, Gwyneth, I, I think from the time she was in high school, wanted to be a doctor. Mm-hmm. And my younger daughter, Monica, wanted something to do with the literary world, the drama world. And 
you know, what my wife and I said to both of them is you, you can do whatever you want in graduate school, mm-hmm. uh, but you need to be prepared for that. Mm-hmm. And the kind of comprehensive liberal arts education that uh, UD offers, uh, the human environment that UD, UD offers, the transformative experience of the Rome semester, mm-hmm. that prepares you for anything. Yes. So my older daughter went from UD to Johns Hopkins for her MD. My younger daughter went from UD to New York University for her Master of Arts in Theater Education. Mm-hmm. She's now running, she's now the education coordinator at a huge arts center in New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, my older daughter's a practicing pediatrician as well as a mother of three. Mm-hmm. And UD helped make that possible. Yeah, that's, that's outstanding. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so, witness to hope. This is this is the product of that of that inspiration, inspired in part by by a negative reaction to a, a substandard biography, and uh, the the book is truly ambitious. I mean, originally I think it was two volumes. Now you can you can buy it in a in a single volume. No, it's still um, it's still one. Okay, uh, okay. I mean, it's it's a two volume project in that the end and the beginning is the sequel to. I got witness it. To hope. I got it. I got it. But uh, no, Witness to Hope was, the idea was to get a comprehensive telling of the story of this remarkable life out in time for the Great Jubilee of 2000. Mm-hmm. So I had to do that. I had to do Witness to Hope, which is a 995-page book because my publisher <laughs> said the number 1,000 will not appear in this book. <laughs> Uh, I had to get that done in three and a half years, so okay. it was uh, it was the pedal to the metal the whole way. But it was an exhilarating experience, um, and I I like to think the analysis has stood up over time. Mm-hmm. Now, at the end of John Paul II's life, in fact, at our last dinner together right before Christmas two thousand four, I said to him with respect to the fact that Witness to Hope ends in 1999. I said, Holy Father, I want to promise you that if you don't bury me, I will finish what I began. Mm -hmm. I'll finish the story. So that became the second volume, which is the last six years of his life, a, a comprehensive analysis of what that life meant. But in the interim period, I had come into possession through some Polish historian friends of these remarkable documents from communist secret police agencies throughout Central and Eastern Europe mm-hmm. that illustrated in a very powerful way uh, the communist attack on the Catholic Church uh, between the Second World War and the collapse of communism in 89. Mm-hmm. So the second volume, The End and the Beginning, actually goes back through that right history, uh, this time with some remarkable primary source material that I never expected to see in my life, but yeah. was very happy to have a chance to work with. You know, the the end of uh, John Paul II's life is a remarkable one for reasons that go just, you know, beyond the obvious geopolitical um, effects that he had, his, his tremendous leadership in so many ways, but but the the witness to suffering well that he provided us, um, uh, he 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 truly shows us how to how to shoulder the burden of our humanity in a remarkable way. 
and um, one that I, I think um, we don't see many examples of these days. Yeah. No, he he was a man with what I would call a cruciform spiritual life. Yeah. I mean, that Carmelite dimension of him, uh, the cross-centered spiritual life, uh, was, was very deep in this mm-hmm. richly textured personality. And having preached that his whole life, that the road to Easter leads through Good Friday, and yeah. there's no exit ramp that you can get around Good Friday. I think he wanted to give a last testament mm-hmm. to that, mm-hmm. and it encouraged enormous numbers of people. I mean, the number of people who have come up to me in the past 15 years or so and said, I can't tell you how important it was to my mother or father or to me in some cases mm-hmm. that while I was suffering from Parkinson's disease or I was disabled in some way, mm-hmm. I, I could live this with him right. as, as he was living it. And um, that was not without intense spiritual suffering. I mean, there's an, uh, it's an incident I describe in the fall of 2003, uh, I describe in the end and the beginning, where uh, he was he was just in one of these cycles of the Parkinson's where his body was completely frozen. Mm-hmm. And uh, he could barely form words, and yet we were together uh, for a television presentation of uh, in, on Polish national TV for his 25th anniversary as Pope. And he just looked at me. Mm-hmm. And and you could he was speaking with his eyes. Look, see what's become of me. Yeah. And I think that was his last dark night experience. Wow. And then I saw him two weeks later, and he was, you know, back being his uh, more typical. Um, uh, I would not say optimistic, but hopeful yeah. self. Yeah. Um, so he knew suffering from inside, and he knew it. Young. I mean, when he was the age of your students at the University of Dallas, he was living uh, in a Nazi-occupied Krakow where, as one of his classmates put it to me, the, for six years, the question wasn't whether you'd be alive on your next birthday or next Christmas. The question for six years was, am I going to be alive tomorrow morning? Yeah, right. That, that's pretty intense way to live in your early 20s. So... We're talking a little bit about the end of um, the life of St. John Paul II. Um, you you had remarkable access to um, the man as well as as to so much material. How how did that develop? How did how did you how did you get in the door, so to speak? How does one become a personal friend with the Pope uh, to such an extent that that uh, they have regular access almost almost whenever. Whenever you you wanted it, and and his schedule could provide for that. I had been writing about John Paul II um, uh, almost from the beginning of the pontificate. I think the first piece I published on him was in April of 1979 on the encyclical Redemptor Hominis. Mm -hmm. And I continued to write about him over the next decade. And he had a pretty good intelligence network. Yeah. And I, I think he thought that I and some of my friends, like Mike Novak, Father Richard John Newhouse, were interpreting him properly mm-hmm. in the United States. 
Then in the early 1990s, after a bizarre week fomenting democratic revolution in Moscow, I was flying back to New York and reflecting on how totally unexpected this was. I mean, here I am in the belly of the beast uh, talking to people who want a democratic Russia. And I I thought the church and the pope must have had something to do with this. Mm -hmm. So I uh, pitched a book to Oxford University Press. Uh, My editor and friend there, Cynthia Reed, I said, I want to figure this out. And I think this will be a good book for you. And she agreed. And so I set about over the next year trying to figure out what the church and the pope had had to do with the collapse of European communism. Mm -hmm. That book was um, uh, published in the fall of 92. Um, The um, pope had actually read the galley proofs of that book through the mediation of a mutual friend. Mm -hmm. I was in Rome in that that fall and and gave him a copy of the book. And Mm -hmm. that was the beginning of our really serious conversation. And I think he, what he liked about that book, which was called The Final Revolution, is not that I made him the hero. Mm -hmm. That would never have occurred to him. What he liked about it was that I presented this political upheaval and transformation as the result of spiritual and cultural transformation. Right, right. And nobody else had done that before. Okay. Nobody else had done that before. And, in fact, at the time that book was published, there were a lot of eyebrows raised. I mean, what do you mean the Pope and the Catholic Church had something to do with this? Well, now it's common wisdom, and I'm happy to have been the first one to articulate it. So let's talk about St. John Paul II's relevance today because i mean there was a time when i could not imagine um existence without pope john paul ii in in office he's he's been dead now for for some time and um and yet i i think one can make a case that that he's more relevant than ever and um, could you articulate some of the ways in which that might be the case i i think it's true as i tried to explain at the university a couple of weeks ago in, in two huge respects. One is his vision of the future of the church, mm-hmm. that Catholicism must become again a communion of disciples in mission, mm-hmm. in which every Catholic understands that he or she was baptized into a missionary vocation. That was the message of the 1990 encyclical uh, Redemptoris Missio, the mission of the Redeemer. Mm-hmm. That was, in fact, the message of the Great Jubilee of 2000. And in terms of public life, the um, severe distress in the Western world today uh, that we are experiencing because of false ideas of the human person. The notion that we're all just little twitching bundles of desires. Those desires are morally commensurable. You can't say one is better than the other. Mm -hmm. And that the function of the state is to satisfy those desires. This is killing Western civilization. Mm-hmm. And he knew that that was coming. Right. And, and tried to raise a warning flag against it and believed that a Christian humanism in which we take the measure of the human from Jesus Christ yeah. was the answer to that. Yeah. Yeah. It's the anthropology. That, Absolutely. That, that's at the core. Right. So – 
um, a, a bundle of twitching desires, right? That's that that I think is is one accurate depiction of of the anthropological um, sufferings we we experience. Um, also, a kind of dualism, um, mind body dualism that that's attached to that. What what about um, uh, the the human person in connection to community? And you know, in in, in his reflections on 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 uh, the solidarity movement itself, and but also the the principle of solidarity as it makes its way through his his social teachings. Um, w- and, and and particularly, I'm thinking of this in, in light of the the isolation that so many people yeah. have been experiencing this past year under COVID. Um, what what is what does uh, Saint John Paul II have to teach us there? Well, uh, he teaches us that democracy is not a machine that can run by itself. Mm-hmm. That it takes a certain critical mass of people living certain virtues, certain habits of the heart and mind to make the democratic project work or to make the free market work so that the net result is human flourishing and, and the common good and social solidarity. Mm-hmm. Um, we have forgotten a lot of that in, in the U.S. Um, but I think this, this plasticity mm-hmm. idea, which is embodied in the so-called Equality Act mm-hmm. that was under consideration in the Congress – uh, the notion that I can declare myself to be something that I am manifestly not, mm-hmm. and my neighbors are required by civil rights law to say unreality is reality, mm-hmm. this is a totalitarian impulse. Mm-hmm. And it has to be contested with a nobler view of of the human person. In terms of the rebuilding of solidarity, in society, we begin to do that by rebuilding solidarity in the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, the church as a Eucharistic communion of disciples and mission is, as the Second Vatican Council put it in its dogmatic constitution on the church, a sacrament or a sign or instrument of the unity of humanity. Yes. That's where we're most one is around, uh, the Eucharistic table of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And we need to recover that sense of Eucharistic coherence in the church in the United States in the wake of this past uh, dramatic 15 months of a lot of Eucharistic fasting for a lot of people. That's right. That's right. So um, that, that's particularly obviously uh, the case for, for Catholics. Um, What, what effect does Catholics embracing Eucharistic solidarity and and reviving the church in a way that's proper to their their particular um, walk in life. Um, what effect does that have on the wider culture in America? It's um, something that's hard for people like you and me, uh, Doctor Sanford, who make our livings with our minds. Mm-hmm to acknowledge that Christianity did not convert between a third and a half of the Mediterranean world, between the Ascension and Constantine Mm -hmm. in the early 4th century by arguments. We did not argue people into Christianity. It's hard to believe that, but I think you're right. (laughs) It's, 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 you know, Rodney Stark has written at least four books on this that I'm aware of. It was example. Mm -hmm. 
Christians manifested a nobler, more humane way of life, mm-hmm. particularly with respect to women, mm-hmm. sick, elderly. Uh, Christians did not abort children or practice infanticide. And, you know, eventually people watching that and thinking, gee, that looks better than the world of the film Gladiator. Right. Have to ask the question, how can you live that way? Right. And then the door is open to the evangelical offer. I can live that way because I am a friend of the Lord Jesus Christ. May I tell you about him? Yeah. And then you go on from there. You know, what, what, one of the things that thinking about uh, just, just that um, witness um, to a way of life on the part of the early Christians, witness to um, uh, care and respect for, for each other uh, that, that Catholics today ought to be exhibiting in all that they do in, in a world that, that can seem rather hopeless, um, right? So there's, there's a sense in which we orient ourselves to eternity as, as believers. Um, and, and, and yet um, the proper Christian response to the anticipation, the hoped um, anticipation of, of eternal life with God is plowing ourselves into the work right. of here and now. Why, why is that? Because Christians are the people who know how the story is going to finally turn out. Mm-hmm. God is going to get what God wanted in the beginning, mm-hmm. which the book of Revelation calls the wedding feast of the Lamb. That's the way it's going to end. We know that. So we can relax a bit Mm-hmm. about our successes or failures now. That doesn't mean being insouciant. Mm-hmm. It means that we're not putting all our chips on the next election yeah. or the next promotion uh, or the next Super Bowl right. um, or the next World Series. Um, we can, by being resident aliens, we can be the best kind of citizens. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Mr. Weigel, for, for your time. Um, thank you for a lifetime of significant work, not to suggest that you're done by any <laughs> way, shape, or form. Um, in fact, you've, you've recently come out with, with several books. Um, the Next Pope, The Office of Peter and a Church in Mission, that's 2020, and Not Forgotten, Elegies for and reminiscences, reminiscences of a Diverse Cast of Characters, most of them admirable in 2021. You're still writing regularly for all kinds of outlets, including First Things. Um, uh, you have a regular uh, uh, space on First Things Online um, that, that I, I benefit from. Um, so I, if you have not heard of George Weigel and you're in the audience – Please, please do um, attend to his writings. You will be benefited from them tremendously. So thank you for your time and for your work. Thank you for having me. All right. I hope you all enjoyed that UD segment that we pre-recorded in the last couple of weeks with Dr. Jonathan Sanford and George Weigel, his guests. Um, just this is Cecil Anderson. Thank you so much for listening to the Good News Show. I'm going to close it out with for us because Dave has a very busy day, so he asked me to finish up the show. And I just want to remind you all that this weekend is the Catholic Family Conference, uh, Saturday, May 1st. It's an all-day conference, and we still have a few sets of tickets to give out. If you call in right now, 877-757-9424-757-9424. Excuse me. 
excuse me, 877-757-9424. You can get a set of two tickets and um, you get to see Bishop Joseph Strickland, Cardinal George Pell, Dr. Ralph Martin, Steve Ray, Trent Horn, Noel Maring, all in the Irving Convention Center. Um, really great value. These tickets are normally $125 each. So this is a pretty good value to get two for free. So call in 877 877- Seven five seven nine four two four. the Catholic Family Conference. If you want to learn more about it, go to catholicfamilyconference.com. And with that, I say thank you so much for listening to the show today, and we hope you tune in again next week, and have a great rest of your week. Thanks for joining us for the Good News Show here on KATH 910 AM on the